Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to uh, Book 2, Earth, Chapter 3, Return to Amashu. Yes. Um, which excites me by the title, because uh, this is a place we've been before. We ended last episode right on the cusp of Amashu. Um, and my initial thought at the mm. end of last episode was... We got here too fast. We got to Amashu really fast, not too fast, but like 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 really fast. So I was wondering storytelling wise what that was going to mean. And then the last scene of last episode is that Amashu is under Fire Nation rule. So mm-hmm. that's why we got there so fast because yep. it's like this is going to be more complicated than we thought. Right. And this is just a stop on a bigger journey to who knows where. Exactly. Right. So this episode... Uh, is one of the first ones that picks up exactly where the last one left off. Mm. You know, so you could just cram these two episodes together into one big episode. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so we see Aang, Katara, and Sokka um, looking at Amashu from a distance with the Fire Nation flag dra- draped over the wall. This is where we ended last time. And uh, Aang is just in disbelief. He says, I know the war has spread far, but Amashu always seemed untouchable. Right. And Sokka says, up till now it was. Now Ba Sing Se, which is just music to my ears. I can't wait. I know, I know. like I it just <laughs> I'm I know we're headed there. Now Ba Sing Se is the only Earth Kingdom stronghold left. So Katara Katara wants them to leave and move on and to say, like, you know, we'll have to go somewhere else to find right. an earth bending teacher, it's right? It's not safe. Because yeah. I will say, it seems like in all the places we've gone in the Earth Kingdom. There are earthbenders everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in the in the in the South Pole, there wasn't a lot of water benders. In the North, there was, and it seems like the Earth Kingdom. There's a lot of benders. So there's a lot of people you could learn from. Right. I wonder why that is. If that's something unique to that element, that like with Earth, there's because there's not a lot of water benders. I mean, in the Northern Water Tribe, there were more, mm-hmm. but in the Southern, obviously, it was only Katara. And then the Fire Nation, it seems like there's a lot of people like at the Fire Festival that had no bending ability. Yeah. And so I wonder if it's something about like that you are always touching the earth, you know, that you would. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's something more democratic about earth, mm. you know, that, you know, like you said, because you're always touching it. So like it's more widespread, but maybe less. I don't know if it's less powerful because earth bending seems pretty powerful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's harder to master, yeah. like 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 to to reach like the heights of what can be done. Because you also see earthbending used for very practical reasons, where fire seems. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of practical firebending, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so Katara wants to move on. Uh, Ang says, "No, I'm going to find Boomy." Uh, and there's this really uh, ominous moment where Sokka says, "We don't even know if Boomy is still." And there's this pause, and Aang says, still what? You know, because clearly Sokka was going to say still alive. Right. Because Boomy's 110 years old, probably. Right. right. I mean, he's slightly younger than Aang. Uh, and Sokka says, around. <laughs> you know, not, not you know, and, but 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 that, that um, pause just sort of hangs there. Yeah. And you think about all the other people that Aang lost. Right. Right. This is, this, because this is the last connection to. Yeah. To somebody he knew from. His previous, uh, his previous version of his life, you know, mm-hmm. from his childhood, uh, and Ang says this isn't about finding a teacher; it's about finding my friend. You know, so there is this, and this is one of the interesting things is that Katara 
Aang and, so- and Sokka are all, they are this tight family. And they kind of have each other. And everybody they encounter, they encounter together. But Boomy is Aang's. And it's kind of the one person who is Aang's. And Katara and Sokka don't have the same connection to him. Mm-hmm. So we see our gang uh, now on the mountain below the city, right? So because Amashu is at the the top of this big um, this big mountain, mm-hmm. uh, the gravity plays a big role in Amashu, uh, and but they're, so they're on the lower part of this mountain, um, and Aang is prying the cap off this huge pipe, uh, and Sokka's like, "Oh, a secret passage! Why didn't we use a secret <laughs> passage last time when because we came here? Last time they they've gotten those uniforms or those costumes, yep, yep. and Aang was like an old man and." Uh... What was his name? Papalapagus. Oh, yeah, it's a really long. Uh, there's no way I'm pulling that. <laughs> I, I thought about it and I thought, nope, there's I there, I can't remember it at all. Right. So yeah, so they had to like like disguise themselves, oh. and that was to get into the Earth Nation kingdom yes. or the Earth Nation city, the Fire Nation. They're not going to get in that way. Um, so so Ang pops the lid off, and this sewage just sort of rushes out of this pipe, as if to answer his question. <laughs> Here's why we didn't go this way before. So we see the gang walking through the pipe. Aang is airbending to kind of clear a passage in front of him. Katara is bending the watery sludge to keep herself clean. And Sokka is just getting coated. I love that scene. Yes. That it, yes. And that it's like Aang, then Katara, then Sokka at the tail. We're, and we're like, oh, how is he getting through? He's barely getting through. Right, right. And he's the one who was a little dubious of the whole bending thing at the very beginning. So it's like he's... He's kind of uh, paying for that right now. So they pop out of a manhole in the city, and it's it's at night. And we see Aang and Katara come out clean, and Sokka comes out really like a sludge monster, like right. covered head to toe. You can't even see who it is. Um, and here's where we see some practical bending, right? Katara whips water at him to wash him, and then Aang airbends to blow dry him. We have talked about how that would be a great scenario. Like, that would yeah. just be excellent if you could do that. Yep. It, it's, it's why it's why I would love to be an airbender. If it meant I could dry myself really easily, that would be really great. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what? For all the trouble that Sokka went through, he has those friends that will do that for him. That's right. And he does come out basically clean. Yeah. Except... That he has the small purple creatures stuck to his face. So he starts, he tries to pull them off, but they won't let go. Um, and Aang <laughs> kind of blows him away to restrain him. And he says, stop making so much noise, right? In part, because they're in this city in the middle of the night. He says, it's just purple pentapus. They are so cute. Yeah. So how would you describe them? Mm, so pentapus, so they have like five little like octopus legs. Mm-hmm. They almost look, look like baby octopus. Pie, yeah, but the right? legs are shorter. They're mm-hmm. not like long, snaky legs. It yeah. is like the cutest octopus you could ever create on screen. You know what it's like? Yeah, it's in it's it's like an octopus meets a starfish that's yeah. not rigid, right? Because it's got those five, yeah, the five kind of leg things, right? And they're not very big either, right? Uh, and and Ang starts to kind of massage the the pentapus, and they let, and when he does that, they let go, but they leave these little purple dots on Sokka's face from their suckers. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, so then the, the fire, uh, a fire nation set of fire nation guards comes and approaches them. Cause Sokka had been making so much noise <laughs> and asks them what they're doing out past curfew. Cause remember this is a city. Now it seems to be under kind of martial law, right? Of the mm-hmm. fire nation. Um, so Aang puts on a hat out of nowhere. He has this like <laughs> red brimless hat, which came out of nowhere. I'm assuming this is to cover his fire tattoo or his, um, his arrow tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like the. 
convenient. It was convenient. Yeah, yeah. And and we've never seen it before, and he's had to cover his head before. So. Right, before he's, like, put his shirt up over his head and yeah. looked really uncomfortable. Yeah, so maybe somewhere along the way he uh, he purchased a hat. It was red? Yep. Well, maybe it was I'm... it was red to sort of match the kind of red burnt orange red of his of his outfit oh okay i was gonna say maybe it was from like the fire festival that'd be great if that were true but i it, <laughs> it seems like it, it was it's almost like he found it in his pocket and didn't realize it was there Aww. yeah i forgot about this so I, I now have a hat to wear um so katara says that they're just on their way home but then the guard notices the dots on Sokka's face and neck and asks what's wrong with him so we see Katara improv, just like she did the first time we were in Amashu, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Aang comes up and is, um, you know, creates his character, and then she just jumps in and plays his daughter. So so we see Katara improvising, saying, oh, he has pentapox, or it's a highly contagious and deadly. And then we see Sokka kind of walking like a zombie and acting like he's dying. So the guard steps back and says, hey, I think I've heard of pentapox. <laughs> Which is going to be a runner throughout this episode of people, they hear the name of the disease and they're like, that sounds like a thing. That is so real. That yeah. is so real. Yeah. He said, didn't your cousin Chang die of it? <laughs> we better go wash our hands and burn our clothes. And uh, this just has a lot of COVID vibes to it. Oh, man. It absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, watching uh, watching Avatar in the age of COVID is really interesting with this episode because this episode is really going to be about a, a plague. Right? We're even going to hear that word used right. uh, to talk about this. Unknown disease. Burn your clothes. Clean yourself. Wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they had only said wear a mask, that would have that would have been... The trifecta. That would have been great. Yeah. So now we cut to Azula's ship, and it seems to be that same evening. And we see Azula getting advice from the two older women who appear our to be- Our masters, yeah. We know this now, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, who are her kind of, her, her masters, presumably the lightning bending masters? Mm, yes, yeah. Yeah, because that seems to be, I don't know that we've ever actually seen her work with fire at all. She seems yeah. to only like go to the lightning, which She's I guess intense. if you have lightning, <laughs> why would you, why bother with fire? Yeah, I mean, it's a display of power, too. Right, right. right. Um, And uh, they say to her, when tracking your brother and uncle, traveling with a royal procession may no longer be an option, may no longer be wise, if you hope to keep the element of surprise. Azula says, you're right. The royal procession is dead weight. If I want to catch my prey, I must be agile and nimble. I need a small elite team. It's time to visit some old friends. Two things about this scene. One, it it uh, lets you know that we're about to see um, some scenes of like getting the band together yeah. or we're back together, right? Some old friends, right? She's gonna so so we're gonna learn a little bit, hopefully about um, about Azula and about her background a little bit here, right? Because she's gonna be collecting these people. What's also interesting is these two women seem to be the only people who can give Azula advice right because everybody else i mean when the the ship's captain before is like well i don't think we can make it in with the tides she's just like i don't want to hear from you about what i should do or what is or isn't wise i know what's wise but these two it's the relationship is different they make a suggestion which is basically telling her yeah you you actually probably need to give up a little bit of the comfort that you have right now to do what you, to fulfill your mission and she says you're right yeah I wonder why that is like um I wonder if they're related to her too could be but we don't know yeah. anything about them right like we don't even know their names no and I don't I, we haven't heard no or the 
Fire Nation seems more like in line with filial piety and like respect of elders. Mm-hmm. So it could also be that like these two older women, they they we don't see them moving much, right? right. Like they're pretty solitary. We don't see them firebend. They don't like show their power at all. It reminds me of Boomy before Boomy like ripped off his clothes and then he's all ripped. Right. Right. Where it's like you might underestimate that person, but they hold a lot of influence. Well, and let's also think if they are the masters who taught her lightning bending, these might be the only people who know that. Mm. So like, so they are so highly revered by her because they unlocked a power that she appears to be the only one to have. True. That we've seen. So, so that might be it. So, I mean, these might be sages beyond sages. Mm-hmm. I like to think that. And, and I, I'm going to go with that until we're proven otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I actually hope, I hope we encounter something more about who these people are because because the show could get away with not ever getting into that but i would love to know more yeah at the same time like we learned so much more about iroh so hopefully they'll flesh it out a little right more. right right yeah um so then we go back to amashu and we see uh ang katara and Sokka, and momo are stealthily moving through the city uh they're looking for boomy ang says they must be keeping boomy somewhere where he can't earthbend somewhere made of metal so there's a lot of shots in this episode of like scanning through the city like looking for where would be the place where you would imprison an earthbender mm-hmm. is the city itself covered in more metal like does it look different in that they're way? definitely constructing stuff there's a lot of scaffolding yeah true yes 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 so i don't know what that's about i don't know What's it's interesting because uh, you know we get this show gets into some of these uh, um, more practical concerns. Like, I mean, there are public works projects happening. There's building happening in this city because they're constantly surrounded by this. So I don't know if this is there was destruction after the battle, but Boomy gives up. We're gonna see. So yeah, I don't I don't know. And maybe maybe there had been a building project going. It's hard to say. I think about like Seoul. Uh, in the early 1900s when they were taken over by Japan. And, like, the city hall area or, like, these old palaces were taken and, like, restructured into Japanese oh, interesting. Um, art and, like, a, a purpose for the emperor, right? And so I wonder, too, if maybe the scaffolding is for that in order to, like, totally change the city into a a fire nation city like not just with an emblem but well that's interesting because we're going to see some other pieces of that coming forward oh, in terms okay. of changes to the city um so then we cut to a group of fire nation folk walking uh with guards uh so we get a close up of a young woman with very severe bangs like <laughs> like very very severe bangs she <laughs> I love says, that you noted that well, isn't it true? It's absolutely true. <laughs> I did do a Google search for severe bangs to make sure that was the right way to call that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is a straight line bang. Yeah. Just straight across that forehead. Uh, and she says, there's really no fathoming the depths of my hatred for this place. This girl, she's got some stuff to figure out. What's great is with one line and the look <laughs> on her face and the way it's delivered, you know everything about her. Like, yeah. this is like the angsty teen. Oh. We thought we've seen versions of it, but it's like, oh, no, this is the, like, uh, on their way, t- not even on their way to goth. This is the goth teen. This is the joyless child. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, her mother is walking with her and holding a toddler and says, May, your father was appointed governor. We're like royalty here. Be happy and enjoy it. So the other thing I thought of when uh, with this line is that I, s- I realized this is May. May came up 
uh, in our first episode, um, <laughs> yes. Soren talked about how his sister thinks he's like May. So I was like, okay. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, far above them, we see two Earth, Bing- Earth Kingdom soldiers who are looking down. Because remember, Amashu is this like very steep city built into the mountain. So they're mm. like they're like way farther up, although they're not that far away from them. But uh but in terms of vertically they're way farther up. And we hear them say the targets are approaching. Take them out. So we know something is up. We now know that this is the um the family of the governor of the Fire Nation governor of the city of Amashu. Mm. So back to the family, uh May says, I thought life was boring in the Fire Nation, but this place is unbearably bleak. Nothing ever happens. I mean, I guess she uh, she probably doesn't have any friends there. She's yeah. a teen, right? Yeah. She's like, take. it's like when you, I've had to move schools. That yeah. sucks. And what was her mother holding? Oh my gosh, I forgot. A what toddler, was... right? Oh yeah. So it's like all the attention's going to this this cute little toddler. And it's like, yeah, it's, this is. I get it. It writes itself. Yeah, right, I right. get it. So up above, we see the earthbenders send down this cascade of rocks, right? So they are they are trying to take out this family. Dark, very dark. And Aang, seeing people in danger, kind of instinctively acts and airbends the rocks away. Uh, and then we see now. So, and we have to remember this is right on her saying nothing ever happens here. And then there is immediately <laughs> an attempt on her life. Uh, May looks up at Aang, kind of seemingly knowingly giving like a look and then squinting a little bit more, which is the animation sign of like, oh, I am noticing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and May's mother calls out the resistance. Uh, and May starts attack- attacking by, and maybe you can explain what you think is happening here, either shooting or throwing darts at Aang? It seemed like it, right? Because she was almost like shooting them from underneath her arm, right? Yeah, it's like Spider-Man web-slinging, but it's these darts. She's real good at it. Yeah. Very skilled. Yeah, and this is something we haven't seen. So we don't see her bending. I don't know if she is a bender, but she definitely has... Uh, has a, a skill and an yeah. ability. Also, for how boring her life apparently is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. She's got time to learn to do that and do that with some accuracy. So she's shooting them at, at, at Aang. Uh, the Fire Nation guards chase after the Aang gang. Uh, Katara waterbends at the guards to buy time for the escape and kind of makes the shield out of ice. You know, we see that they're that, like the darts kind of stick into the shield. But May keeps chasing. Uh, Aang pulls down a huge scaffold. So here we see the scaffolding, right? A huge scaffold to put distance between them and her. She throws a knife at him, and he just barely catches it with his staff. Aang, Katara, and Sokka are pulled down through an earthbending trapdoor. So they're sort of standing at the other side of this scaffolding mm-hmm. after it's pulled down, and it's like all of a sudden they're pulled into the ground. Then mm-hmm. um, it's an earthbending trapdoor because it just like it like drops out and then grows back. So we know that there are that there are earthbenders at play here. Yeah, and I think we see a shot quickly of May just being like, mm, fine. Right, right. <laughs> she doesn't care. <laughs> right. Uh, and then we see our heroes surrounded by earthbending soldiers. Uh, and then it cuts away. We cut to a Fire Nation scene. Um, and it's outside of a circus tent with sort of circus folk walking around. But the whole scene is upside down. Right. Yeah, I liked this. Yeah. So we see Azula walk into frame. And she, she walks to the center of the frame and then turns and addresses the frame. Again, she is upside down this whole time. And we hear her say, Ty Lee, could that possibly be you? So we realize that we've been seeing uh, through the eyes of a circus acrobat who's balancing upside down on her fingertips. Um, and uh, Ty Lee, this, this circus, um, circus performer, says, Azula, it's so good to see you. 
and she gives Azula a hug. Uh, Azula says, please don't let me interrupt your whatever it is you're doing. Now, one thing I'm going to note about Azula, she has a lot of lines where she gets partway through and there's like a long pregnant pause for her to be judgmental. So she, so she says, um, you know, whatever it is that you're, uh, whatever it is that you're doing. Um, and then Tylee continues to do like, kind of like a Cirque du Soleil, mm. um, contortionism. She says, tell me, what is the daughter of a nobleman doing here? Classism. That's right. Certainly our parents didn't send us to the Royal Fire Academy for Girls to end up in places like this. <laughs> uh, we see three carnies. I, I don't know if that's an offensive term. They're carnival workers um, uh, trying to get a bear platypus or a platypus bear uh, who's dressed in a vest and a hat, very circusy attire to move. They're like, he's chained up and they're, they're pulling him, trying to get him to move. Um, and then he lays an egg. <laughs> <laughs> a scene we've seen before. That's right. Uh, Azula says, uh, I have a proposition for you. I'm hunting a traitor. You remember my old fuddy-duddy uncle. It's kind of weird that she uses the term fuddy-duddy. Yeah, I don't love it. It yeah. doesn't seem like her either. Right. You remember my old fuddy-duddy uncle, don't you? Tylee says, oh, yeah, he's so funny. <laughs> I would be honored if you would join me on my mission. Tylee explains that she's really happy where she is. My aura has never been pinker. So I did a little bit of research on aura colors. Ooh. Because I was curious, like, is that a thing? Or, Do tell. Um, so a pink aura speaks to somebody who's gentle, pleasant, and conveys sort of loving energy to whoever they meet. Oh, that sounds so nice. So the circus has been good for Tylee. Because if Tylee is a friend of Azula's from yeah. school, you know that there's a dark past. You assume there's a dark past there. But but this is this has clearly been, been good for her to kind of get away from that. She's mm. also probably running from something. Yeah. People don't just join the circus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, I guess. <laughs> um, so she says, uh, my aura's never been pinker. And Azula says, I'll take your word for it. Well, I would want, <clears throat> I wouldn't want you to give up the life you love just to please me. And she starts to walk away. She says, of course, before I leave, I'm going to catch your next show. And we see Tylee is like shaken by this idea. Yes. So it's ominous that she's going to catch the next show. I wouldn't want her to be in the audience either. No. Um, she didn't mention anything about Zuko. Not at all, no. To Tylee. She didn't even mention... She just said a traitor, and then she said my uncle. So I guess uh, Tylee could probably piece that together. But we don't know how involved Tylee is in the Fire Nation right. like politics. Does she know Zuko's banished? Does she know Iroh's banished? Does she... Like, yeah. I don't know how, like, big in public that stuff is. She's a traveler, so she's probably seen, like, the different wanted posters and things. I don't know if – is there – yeah, there is one for, mm -hmm. for Iroh and Zuko. At this point, yeah. Um, I I wonder if she didn't say anything because they're all around the same age, right? So maybe these friends are also friends of Zuko? Could be. Although they I, – I assume Zuko didn't go to the Royal Fire Academy for girls. That's true. I also That assume... sounds like a boarding school too, right? <laughs> I don't think Zuko would be great at making friends. No. Either? No. <laughs> So we cut from this back to Aang, Katara, and Sokka in the underground cave with the resistance fighters. Aang asks about Boomy and if he's leading the resistance. And the resistance leader says, of course not. The day of the invasion, we readied ourselves for battle. We were prepared to defend the city or fight our, <clears throat> excuse me, and fight for our lives and freedom. But before we even had the chance, King Boomy surrendered. 
So here we sort of cut to commercial. And then we come back and he says, The day of the invasion, I asked King Boomy what he wanted to do. He looked me in the eye and said, and here we cut to a flashback so we can hear Boomy deliver his his lines. Uh, it's Boomy and the resistance leader and they're standing on the walls of the city. He says, I'm going to do nothing. And we get this sort of crazy snort laugh. The from classic Boomy. laugh. Yeah. Um, and then we go back to the resistance leader talking to Aang. He says, it doesn't matter now. Fighting the Fire Nation is now the only path to freedom. And freedom is worth dying for. Reminds me of Jet. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And uh, I feel like if a character is reminding me of Jet, maybe we should be wary of them. Right. And because he's also, this is also a guy who's clearly the leader of this group or mm-hmm. a leader of the resistance. And he has in some ways risen to prominence because of uh, rhetoric like fighting is the only path to freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like so he's inv- he's also like has a personal investment in. In the fight, Mm -hmm. you know, and not to say that you should just embrace the Fire Nation, but he's not open to what Boomy's doing. Because let's remember, what's the biggest piece of advice that Boomy gives? Uh, Everything is a possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to think like a mad genius. Yeah. And Boomy's response of I'm going to do nothing sure sounds like that. Right. You know, but we also think uh, at the time people thought Boomy was this crazy old king. So like... His wisdom is maybe lost on the people of his uh, his kingdom even. Right. Maybe just the people that have known him the longest, like Aang. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So Aang says, actually, there's another path to freedom. You could just leave Amashu. You're directing all of your energy to fight the Fire Nation, but you're outnumbered. You can't win. Now is the time to retreat so you can live to fight another day. Hmm. So Aang is giving some, like, sage advice here, right? Um, or at least alternate advice and the resistance leader says you don't understand they've taken our home and we have to fight them at any cost so again he's saying this in the way that we kind of repeat rhetoric and assume like yes everybody's on board with this because this is this time trusted time tested thing that it sounds um heroic Right. Right. And Aang is saying, well, actually, maybe you retreat and you live to fight another day. That doesn't sound as heroic. But what's interesting is when he says, you know, we have to fight them at all costs, we see one of the other resistance fighters chime in and say, I don't know, Yalo, uh, living to fight another day is starting to sound pretty good to me. And other guy's like, yeah, I'm with the kid. Yeah. Uh, and then we see the crowd murmuring and, and Yalo says, fine. There, but there are thousands of citizens that need to leave. How are we going to get them all out? And Sokka pipes up and says, suckers. And everybody looks at him, you know, like he's <laughs> insulting them. And he says, you're all about to come down with a nasty case of pentapox. So smart. Yeah. So we're getting strategic Sokka here. They already placed, like they planted the seed. Exactly. Exactly. So good. So we see uh, that everyone then starts, uh, there, there's like, we, we cut to this bucket full of the uh, purple pentapus. Um, and everyone starts using those to create dots on their faces Sticking and on their Sticking them to their skin, anything yep. visible. Yep. Uh, Sokka says, the marks make you look sick, but you got to act sick too. You got to sell it. <laughs> then we see this old man who hobbles out of the pack moaning. And Sokka's like, now that's what I'm talking about. And the old man says he's had years of practice and taps on his peg leg. 
I just love the idea of Sokka giving acting advice. Yes. He has always been the worst one. Right, right. Uh, and, and then Sokka says to everyone, okay, now let's get into sick formation, right? <laughs> so even this is a is a military campaign for Sokka. But, and, and so they all kind of exit to the left of the screen, and we see Aang start to go uh, a different direction. And he says he's not going to go anywhere until he finds Boomy. Uh, and Momo motions to him that it's time to eat, and Aang says that he'll feed him later. And Aang flies off across the rooftops. Now I bring up the Momo thing because that's actually Momo needing to eat is going to become a plot point here. <laughs> so uh, it's it's important that Aang didn't feed Momo right now, didn't give him something to eat. Uh, so Mo, it means Momo has to go find food for himself. Mm-hmm. I love that this has like a Momo centered moment. Right, right, and it's and it's it's actually crucial to the plot that we that Momo is hungry. That Momo's hungry. Yes. <laughs> So we cut to the Fire Nation soldiers uh, watching this huge group of townspeople walking towards them with pentapox, kind of moaning and stumbling. And it is like a total zombie movie scene. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Like yeah. walking through the alleys and the streets. Yes, and everywhere you turn in it. And it's even it's even shot like that. Like you get these like close-ups of people like Frankenstein walking and Yep, moaning and, moaning. and groaning. Yeah. Uh, and the soldier calls out, plague, plague, and they signal an alarm. Uh, so then we cut to the governor's quarters. Now, one of the things I noticed about where the governor lives, did you notice how it looks compared to the rest of Amashu? No, I didn't. It, the colors of even the building itself are Fire Nation. Ah. So we talked about transforming the city. Mm. Maybe this is part of the construction project and the governor's quarters were the first things built because it sta- his place stands out from anyone else's. Yeah. It looks like Fire Nation, not like Earth Nation. So maybe the scaffolding is mm-hmm. pointing to say they are rebuilding this city to even take on the culture, the look, the feel of a Fire Nation city. Was it made of metal at all? Did you notice? Uh, it was not. It was clearly not made of the same rock. Right. I mean, it was black. So it, it's the same black that we see in other Fire Nation things. So presumably it could be metal it's unclear yeah. but yeah it could be yeah that would make sense that they're trying to cover up or or replace the rock but i don't know how you replace a mountain like yeah that becomes tricky <laughs> they would try yeah so uh the governor we see the governor looking down on this scene and he asks what's going on and the guard says uh, i saw some kids yesterday who were sick with pentapox it must have spread the governor says, Pentapox, hmm, I'm pretty sure I've heard of that. Uh, drive them out of the city, but don't touch them. We have to rid the city of this disease. Um, so this is interesting in a in a couple ways to think about this, right? That this is interesting in the like, again, how do you deal with plague, COVID-19 world? Um, we're also going to see that this has a feeling of... Um, Old Testament exodus, doesn't it? Mm. Right? That the that the plagues come to the Egyptians and then eventually the pharaohs just like get rid of them all, right? Yeah. Now this isn't the big the big Passover plague. Maybe the, maybe he's read the Old Testament and it's like, <laughs> I see where this is headed. Get rid of them. I don't want I don't want worse here. Because it is interesting. Um the other thing that happens here ah. is uh behind the governor we see that the governor's son, this toddler, starts to wander off. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a plot point as well. Who, the loss who is of a the firstborn son. Exactly, yeah. right? So there is like Exodus themes in this. That's super interesting. I did not see that at all. 
So so let let's track that in this episode because yeah, yeah. this is this is going to be part of it. Um, so we see Ang walking through the roofs of the city. Uh, and he looks down and sees Flopsy. Uh, if we remember Flopsy from King of Amashu, it's not a bunny. No, no. Eh, this like enormous, opposized, hulking bunnyish, like ripped bunny. Yeah. And Flopsy is chained up and turning this huge wheel clear to some kind of machine or some kind of mill or something. I mean, it is a uh, prototypical like slave labor situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Aang comes down and frees him by water by water bending, which I thought was really interesting, right? That he he uses water to like freeze the chain mm-hmm. and then he breaks the chain once it's frozen. So this is maybe one of the first times we've seen Aang opt to water bend. Yeah, true. You know, where normally like he would seems like he would come up with some other So it to me this is a subtle indicator that he is becoming more masterful with water that he it's sort of like when somebody learns a language enough they start to dream in that language mm-hmm. it's like for him the first option right now is oh yeah water i can use that yeah he's not it's not a major plot point that he uses water but he just does oh i like how subtle it is yeah yeah so he um so he frees flopsy uh, and uh, jumps on his back and says, you know, we, we've got to find Boomy. And he yells, yip, yip, and it does nothing. <laughs> he's like, okay, let's go. And then they run off. So apparently, <laughs> Flopsy, there's there's no, like, particular thing you say to him. Right, yip, yip is just a bison thing. <laughs> right, right. So we pan up from there, and we see Momo flying. And he lands on the roof of the governor's mansion. Looking for food. That's right. So Momo looks in the window, and uh, the governor's toddler... Uh, who we find out is named Tom Tom, is playing around inside. Momo spots a bowl of berries on the table and goes in to start eating. Um, Tom Tom notices Momo in the room uh, and crawls up and grabs Momo's tail. So Momo tries to get away, but Tom Tom drags behind him. So then he and Momo are, they go like out the window and they're walking on a railing and an outdoor balcony. Like this toddler is walking on the railing of an outdoor yes. balcony. This is really, it's just, as a parent, this is terrifying. <laughs> I think as a human being, it's terrifying, right? My mom but, was just trying to escape. Right. So, which is an important thing. So this, there's an endangered child and Momo takes this as his opportunity <laughs> to fly off. Um, uh, and Tom Tom falls down. So it's not one of those cartoon things where, oh, he's walking the railing, but he'll be fine. He actually falls down, falls onto a roof below and slides off the roof and happens to get caught by one of those Amashu delivery carts that's filled with berries that's racing down the track. Yeah, the slide. Yeah. Now, Momo, looking for food, sees this cart full of berries and is like, great, I can get away from this kid and I can start to eat berries. So he lands on it and starts eating and then um, Tom Tom pops up out of the berries and grabs Momo's tail. <laughs> and they fly off in the cart together. Uh, or they, they, they fly, Momo flies off, but Tom Tom's holding on to his tail and they land on the ground and then they're part of the sick progression or um, procession that's leaving the city. I love scenes like this that are lengthy, but no words are said. Exactly right. It kind of reminds me of of a less violent version of like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, yes. right? Where where Momo is is Jerry and and Tom Tom is Tom, right? Yeah, it's, and, there's almost something like slapstick about it. Exactly. Too. Exactly, because Momo's trying to get away and Tom Tom's trying to catch him. And then it ends with them just getting enveloped into this procession leaving the city. Uh, but here we get now the loss of the firstborn son. Mm-hmm. 
So we cut to the circus performance, and we see that Azula is in the audience and seems to be the only person in the audience. When they pan backwards and you see the circus tent, there is nobody else there. This is a private performance for the daughter of the Fire Lord. Um, and we see Ty Lee on a high wire um, standing one-handed on a narrow stool balancing on a strange one-wheeled contraption. I didn't spend a lot of time trying to... I, I At first, I was like, I'm going to just like... <laughs> draw a word picture but i don't really understand what this thing is but just know it's precarious yes it looks scary yeah um azula says incredible so she's talking to the ringmaster incredible do you think she'll fall and the ringmaster says of course not azula says then wouldn't it make more make it more interesting if you removed the net and you see the ringmaster sort of get nervous about this and she's like oh you're right you're right that's been done set the net on fire (laughs) So he does. So now Ty Lee is balancing up on this thing above this net that's engulfed in flames. Mm -hmm. And we see her kind of start sweating. And uh, Azula says, brilliant, just brilliant. Ooh, what kind of dangerous animals do you have? Release them all. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. So we hear like elephants and tigers. So So there's fire beneath her and all these wild animals. Um, and we, we cut to uh, Tylee's face, and she looks terrified as she's performing. When I first watched this, I did not understand what Azula was getting at, other than to create fear in her friend, to, like, maybe scare her away or right. something. Or, like, to scare away the pink aura or whatever yeah, that she yeah. had. It, it's very dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, well, if you're not going to come with me, then I'm essentially, I'm going to kill you. Threaten your life, yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um. So from here, we cut to the Earth Kingdom camp, now away from the city at night. So if we're keeping our Exodus theme, these are the Jews now in uh, in the desert, right? Mm-hmm. So they have made it out of the city. Um, and uh, Aang and, Flo- and Flopsy approach. Uh, and they said, we've looked everywhere. No Boomy. Uh, now, there's an interesting thing here. We see Katara embrace Aang and Sokka embraces Flopsy, <laughs> which is funny because Sokka doesn't strike me as the like, oh, I love these huge hulking animals. Right. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't have like a reverence for nature. <laughs> right. But but for some reason, he gives Flopsy this huge hug. Um, we see this earthbending soldier approach and says, we have a problem. Uh, we just did a head count and we have an extra. And he points to Tom Tom, who's clinging to Momo. So they're not short people. Everybody got out, but actually they brought a person they weren't supposed to bring. This yeah. reminds me of um, uh, the show Lost when they're doing going through the manifest for the flight and they realize there's somebody in their group who isn't on the manifest. And it's like, where did this person come from? So it's Was a, it's it also a toddler? Uh, no, it was it was one of the others, and it went in an entirely different direction. But it made me think of that moment. That was that was a moment in Lost where like my head just exploded. Wait, like how could there be somebody on this deserted island who wasn't on the plane? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, spooky. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 one of those great headcount moments where actually having an extra person is scarier than missing someone. <laughs> right. Exactly. Someone's here and we don't know who they are or why. Um. So then we cut to the governor's mansion that same night, and we see Tom Tom's mother weeping. And May approaches and hands her a handkerchief. The governor says, so the resistance has captured my son. Everything is so clever, so tricky, just like their King Boomy. So he thinks this is like a uh, a kidnapping. <laughs> not a lemur. Right, right. Not just a, an accidental thing. So 
In fact, they don't want to have Tom Tom. They want like it's it's like it's like this. There isn't tension yeah. here, but this is this creates tension, even though neither side is trying to do something to the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we go to backstage at the circus, and we see May bring what appears to be a bouquet of black flowers to Tylee. <laughs> Seems right. Which maybe in the Fire Nation is I don't know. Seems right for May. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or excuse me, not May. Um, Azula. Oh, Azula oh, yeah, brings yeah, yeah. black flowers to uh, to Tylee. Um, she says, "What an exquisite performance! I can't wait to see how you'll top yourself tomorrow." So here is where Azula is just like, "This is this is not going to end. You're going to come with me." And Tylee says, "Unfortunately, there won't be a show tomorrow. The universe is giving me strong hints that it's time for a career change. I want to join your mission." And you can see Azula looks pleased, I think in part because she doesn't have to do this another night. She's like, yeah. okay, well, I got what I wanted and I got it quickly. Yeah. She doesn't want another moment at the carnival. Right. Uh, so then we go back to the Earth Kingdom camp and the gang is sitting around a fire. Tom Tom comes up and tries to pick up Sokka's machete. Yeah. Like, it's just sitting there and yeah. this is a like a four-year-old, two-year-old, I don't know. The, the things that this like three-year-old has experienced in the last 10 minutes of the show is wild. Right. <laughs> uh, so so he's uh, trying to pick up Sokka's machete. Sokka takes it away and says, no, bad Fire Nation baby. And Tom Tom cries and Katara gets Sokka to give the machete back to Tom Tom. Yeah. What is happening I, I and, and then he's which he does and then he he's, plays with it and like sucks on it like a baby does doesn't yeah, he yeah this is a, a giant sword yeah which makes me think Katara Saga what did you guys play with when you were kids clearly machetes <laughs> right uh, So and Katara is fawning over Tom Tom uh, and the Earth Nation soldier says uh, sure he's cute now but when he's older he'll join the Fire Nation army you won't think he's so cute then. He'll be a killer. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because this is this like lighthearted scene and you and you know, we just went from Tom Tom and thought of it as like this old school cat and mouse, like kind of funny, cute. And that guy just drops a hammer on us and is like, Yeah, this guy and he's and the thing is he's not wrong. Right. But he's partially wrong in like mm, they tried to kill him before. They tried to throw rocks down a mountain on their family. Right. So it's like all of you then are killers. <laughs> right, right. But but yeah, you're absolutely right. No, I think that and I think that's that's really interesting, you know, cuz the the son of a governor is going to grow up to be a sol- a soldier is going to grow up to be probably a, a leader in this mm. in this army and is going to lead to many to the loss of many lives. But you're right, they also are their hands are as bloody, right? And so it is this interesting thing of like like how do you look at non-combatants? Right. In a war because you know, trying to take a hit out on the governor's family. Because the governor wasn't with them. That was just the governor's family. Like, you're not – those are not military personnel, although mm. May sort of seems like she might be. But those <laughs> are not military personnel, you know. And so so this actually is probably lost on kids watching this. But this is actually a really dark moment yeah. to think about. And, like, I'm kind of with the governor. I mean, like, I have more sympathy for him yeah. and his family this episode and, like, I get why they jumped to being, like, these are tricky, terrible people. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they tried to kill you early – or they tried to kill your wife and your daughter and yeah. your son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is guerrilla warfare, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah, it's – Anything is, goes. <laughs> that's right. Um, and then a messenger hawk – we've seen messenger hawks before – flies in with a letter from the Fire Nation governor. He thinks his son has been kidnapped and wants to trade his son for King Boomy. So they have got this, like – 
Boon out of nowhere because Tom Tom wandered off with them. They now have the ability to get Boomy yeah. in exchange for this toddler that they don't really want anyhow. What if Momo thought of this the whole time? It could be that there's <laughs> Momo and Boomy have a special relationship. You're not wrong. They do because remember in the first time we meet, mm-hmm. um, we meet Boomy. He says like you're gonna need your friends, Aang. And you're gonna need Momo too. Yeah, yeah, you're you're not wrong. It's you know I I, I tend <laughs> it's a stretch. <laughs> no, but I tend I tend to not want to associate like this is okay. This is to associate like like the strategic agency to him. But maybe maybe why not? This is also the same lemur that brought like crowns and random things to right. To he doesn't sick understand humans. the language they speak, but <laughs> maybe he's got instincts, right? So then we see uh, the next morning, we see Aang carrying TomTom as they're preparing to fly Appa to Amashu. Sokka says, you realize that we're probably walking right into a trap. And Aang says, I don't think so. I'm sure the governor wants his son back as much as we want King Boomy. It's a new day. I have a good feeling about this. And I wrote on here, trusting instinct. Right? Mm-hmm. We've, had, uh, we've had episodes about this, right? Like how much do we trust... Our instinct, you know, versus mm. so because so now we have Sokka who is saying, uh, "I don't know about your instincts." Right, because that was the jet episode. It was right? yes. Mm, there's a lot of parallels between that episode and this. Absolutely right. So now we're inside Amashu and we see Azula being carried in her covered throne by four fire guards, which is interesting because I thought we were leaving behind all of the, like... <laughs> the dead weight. Yeah, the royal procession in dead weight, but she's still... And what's interesting is we see Tylee walking beside, so she's not in it. She's just walking next to it. Um, and they approach uh, May, and May says, uh, please tell me you're here to kill me. And they all laugh, because that's a funny joke. <laughs> It's uh, so dark. I can't uh, handle May. That's right. And then May says to Ty Lee, uh, I thought you ran off to join the circus. You said it was your calling. And Ty Lee says, well, Azula called a little louder. And Azula says, I have a mission for you and I need both of you. And May says, count me in. Anything to get me out of this place. Now, I think it's really fascinating to think of this, these three as a group of friends. And I will say I a thousand percent believe it. Yes. I think about especially their age. How old do you think they are? Like 14, 15? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think about like the strange pairings of middle school friends and they can be across all personality types and like still get along. Some could be popular. Some could be not. You know, like it's just a weird time. You know what I want to (laughs) see? I want to see... Maybe even a shot-for-shot remake of Mean Girls, but using these three as the, like, the plastics. Those kind of fit. They do, right? Yeah. Actually, they do. (laughs) It's, like, a good combo for that reason, because I love the Mean Girls. Like, the three of them together are great. Same with this. Um but this is obvious, I, more toxic. Right, right. (laughs) But, but it's, it's super interesting to, to think that, like, this is the world is getting really big and serious, but what have they snuck in here? They've kept these kind of high school elements, right? That yeah. this is the this is a click. Yep. That's kind of interesting that we got a we got a, a click of mean girls snuck in here as our big bad for this season, presumably. And like yeah, like Mean Girls, it's like the two friends aren't really in it because they absolutely adore and love and trust the leader. It's like right. It's the best option for them at the right. time. Right. I mean, May's there because <laughs> because she hates her life, right, and hates her parents. Tylee and, was 
coerced. Yeah, Tylee's basically forced her. Tylee seems like she'd be great. I like Tylee, but it's just like she's her hand is forced. And yeah. th- and there's always in those there's always the one person where the, because of the power of the leader, the queen bee, everybody else kind of has to fall in line. Oh, I wish we wow. had Tina Fey on this show. That's right. I'm, I'm efforting that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, because I think we're going to see these three for a few episodes here at least. Yeah, they'll come back. All right. So now we cut to Azula's throne room in Amashu. So, I mean, when the, the daughter of the Fire Lord shows up, I mean, she has... She's in she's in charge. So I'm wondering if this is actually Boomy's throne room. It doesn't look like it. Although the, if the lighting is different, Boomy's was very green. Mm-hmm. But if you put a bunch of fire in there, you get that kind of red-orange glow a little bit. So maybe this is just Boomy's throne yeah. room. Um, and the governor says, I apologize. You come to Amashu at a difficult time. At noon, we're making a trade with the resistance to get TomTom back. Zula says, I'm so sorry to hear about your son. But really, what did you expect? Just letting the citizens leave. This is this feels like Pharaoh now regretting, like, wait, you let everyone go. We let everyone go. What are we doing? Right, right. Um, my father has trusted you with this city, and you're making a mess of things. You stay here. May will handle the hostage trade, so you don't have a chance to mess it up. And there's no more Amashu. I'm renaming it in honor of my father, the city of New Ozai. Boo. But it also speaks to again the rebuilding of yep. um you know and this is this is really you know uh, you have talked many times about how the show is about imperialism and things yeah. like this like this is part of imperialism See, right it's racing culture and we know that Omashu is named after two of the founders of Earthbending yes and so to just change it into the Fire Lord is that's a choice yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and and it's it's very like fascistic to like name the city after. Ozai as well so yeah that's it's I, I mean it's I, I don't like this but I like it in the show to be like yeah that's that's the kind of thing that they would do mm-hmm. I think that that's really uh, well done narratively so now we're outside of the city we see Ang Katara excuse me outside in the city we see Ang Katara and Sokka and Tom Tom as they await the trade and they're waiting again by this big building with scaffolding all mm-hmm. around it so we're, we're seeing this rebuilding Azula, Tylee and May approach What's interesting is May is leading the way, right? Because she's going to be in charge of the hostage uh, swap. And we see a laughing boomy being lowered by a crane in, I guess what I would call a casket? Yeah, it's like casket shaped. I mean, he's got some wide shoulders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd have to make a weird structure yeah, to fit him yeah. in there. And his, But his head is sticking out. So like his whole body is encased. In metal. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And just his head is sticking out. So it's a little like Han Solo and Carbonite if his head was sticking out and it was Boomy's <laughs> head. Um, Azula cuts in and says, I'm sorry, but a thought just occurred to me. We're trading a two-year-old for a king, a powerful earthbending king. And upon this, Boomy behind Azula is like nodding in agreement with her. It doesn't seem to make, it doesn't seem like a fair trade, does it? May says, you're right. The deal is off. And the crane starts to lift Boomy away. And he says, see you all later. And he laughs with another snort laugh. So Boomy's kind of loving it. <laughs> yeah. This is entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I'd love that he agrees with Azula. It's like, yeah, this trade doesn't make any sense. I bet he and May could both commiserate about how boring things are. That's right. <laughs> no, I think Boomy enjoy. I think Boomy's the opposite. He enjoys everything. That's true. Even you in know? a boring moment, he can make it not boring. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so Aang starts to rush at Azula and she lightning bends at him. But Aang flies up and away. 
and his hat falls off as he does this and Azula recognizes Aang as the Avatar and she says, my lucky day. I wonder, does she recognize him because he flies away or because his hat fell off? (laughs) Which one It seems like it's when his hat fell off, but that seems really silly. Also, like, come on. How did she not know that before? Right. You have someone dressed like an airbender with two waterbenders. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the research hasn't been great as to what they're looking for. She's too busy lightning bending. That's right. Um, So she uses this, like, pulley system so she can go up the building because Aang is going up and Boomy's going up. So Aang lands on Boomy's casket and he starts using his breath to freeze the chain connecting the casket to the crane. Now, this is interesting because we've seen Aang use his breath, but have we seen him freeze his breath before? We've seen Katara do that, right? With her no, breath? though, with water. With water. So what I'm wondering is, is this a combination of air and water bending where his breath has water in it, so he's breathing mm. it, but then he's bending and freezing that water, maybe? Ooh. It's cool. Yeah. I, I, guess it's really, I, I think Aang's powers are really interesting in this episode, what we see him doing. Um, so below we see May and Ty Lee rush at Katara and Sokka. Katara says, we've got to get the baby out of here. And Sokka and <clears throat> Sokka and Tom Tom um, both blow on the bison whistle um, to call for um, to call for Appa, which I love. I love that the bison whistle is like it's like an item that they have that they use. I mean, yeah. it feels like a video game thing yeah. and not like a there was one episode where Aang spent their last money to buy this thing and they used it once, but this has come up three or four times. Oh yeah. You dig around in your rucksack. You look for what's going to help you get through the mission. I love it. I I love that the bison whistle is still there. Mm -hmm. Right. So they both blow on it and then they run away and Sokka is tripped. We see a hand shoot up to trip Sokka. uh, And he and Tom Tom almost fall off of the building. They like slide high up. Yep. And they almost fall. Um, so we see May start to throw darts at Katara. She water bends up the floorboards of where dope. they're standing. Yeah. And so she like throws water on it and then bends that water to rip up the floorboards. And then the floorboards catch the darts that May is shooting. Um, we see Tylee rushing at Sokka. Katara uses the water to grab her by the ankle and trip her up. Um, and Sokka and Tom Tom use this as their moment to make their escape. Um, so we cut back to Boomy and Aang. Aang has managed to freeze the links in Boomy's chain, but Boomy tells Aang to stop blowing and to wait. So again, this is the second time this episode, Boomy's like, somebody's trying to act and Boomy's like, no, don't. Don't do anything. So Azula fires lightning at them and the chain breaks. So the casket with Boomy in it and Aang on it falls down into one of the delivery chutes. So now they're racing down a slide. So... Azula jumps in a cart to chase them. So we see Aang sort of surfing on Boomy's casket and kind of loving it. And Boomy's trying to get Aang's attention, but Aang can't hear what he's saying. And we see Azula start to fire lightning at them. Mm-hmm. So uh, back to the katara May battle. Uh, katara freezes May's right arm to disable her. Right, So she throws water or bends water up and then freezes it. And that's where she's firing the darts from. But we see Tylee sneak up behind Katara and attack her. Now, did you notice what she did? She, like, hits different spot of Katara's body, right? And, yeah. And, like, renders her incapable of moving. Yeah, it's like pressure points or something. It's yeah. really interesting because all of a sudden she's unable to bend because she can't move her body. But it's yeah. like she almost does nothing to her but just, like, taps on a few places. Right. And uh, uh, May's skills are so obvious because we've seen them throughout. So it's interesting 
I, we didn't know how Tylee would be able to help fight. Right, right. Um, so May prepares to throw a knife at Katara, but as she's about to, Sokka flies up on Appa and boomerangs the knife away. And then Appa ta- lands and tail whips, and May and Tylee are blown away by that. And they fly off on Appa to go rescue Aang and Boomy. So we see Azula lightning bend uh, as they're trying to get Boomy and Aang onto Appa. This is a really confusing scene because they're like both racing down the track and they're trying to get him off the track and onto Appa. Yes. So she lightning bends and um, Aang and Boomy continue to fall. And they fall onto another track like the wrong way and then break through and then fall onto another track and continue to uh, to race down, uh, race down the track. Um, but then we see Boomy and we see Azula coming up behind them and Boomy earth bends to create a wall to block the lightning that Azula is throwing from her cart. And Aang says to Boomy, wait, you can earth bend? You could do this the whole time? And Boomy says, well, they didn't cover my face. So Aang says, I don't understand. Why didn't you free yourself? Why did you surrender when Amashu was invaded? What's the matter with you, Boomy? Boomy says, listen to me, Aang. There are options in fighting called Jing. It's a choice of how you direct your energy. Aang says, I know. There's positive Jing when you're attacking and negative Jing when you're retreating. Boomy says, and neutral Jing when you do nothing. Aang says, there are three Jings? Boomy says, well, technically there's 85, but let's just focus (laughs) on the third. Neutral Jing is the key to earthbending. It involves listening and waiting for the right moment to strike. So Aang has this realization. That's why you surrendered, isn't it? Boomy says, yes. It's why I can't leave now. Aang says, I guess I need to find someone else to teach me earthbending. And Boomy says, your teacher will be someone who's mastered neutral Jing. You need to find someone who waits and listens before striking. So we see Momo jump onto Aang's back. And here we get our Boomy Momo moment. Momo's and Boomy says Momo's mastered a few jings himself. Goodbye, Aang. I'll see you when the time is right. And we see the casket falls backwards and starts to go up the chute, right? Because mm-hmm. he's earthbending it up the chute. And we see Boomy laughing like a madman. And Appa and the rest of the gang fly up behind, um, fly up behind Aang. So now they're all together. So, what were your thoughts on this? This. Uh, long boomy speech i just read (laughs) i like it but i feel like it also means i don't does does he say that they're gonna see each other again yeah i'll see when the time is right the time is right feels right it just i just wish that we had more boomy (laughs) yeah but but there this also comes with the promise of more boomy right um it kind of reminds me of the this is a weird connection but of the wizard of oz Mm. and here's why um, because the Wizard of Oz, when that when they start to go to the Emerald City, you think, okay, this is about a journey to the Emerald City. And then you get to the Emerald City pretty early in the movie, and it's like, oh, wait, you're here, but you're not here. Because mm-hmm. th- we actually can't do this yet. Right? So this is a little bit of that, like, I know I was excited to get to Amashu, but I really do think, like, man, we got there quickly. Yep. But we got there quickly because we're not going to get to stay here but we're going to have to come back here. Right. Right. So there, there's a little bit of 
there's a little bit of that, that this is like the false entry to Amashu, and there's going to be a future entry to Amashu. It's interesting that both times Aang meets up with Boomy, Boomy basically says, you're not ready for me right now. Right. Right? Which also speaks to his power, too. I know. Which excites me. And it also is Boomy saying, I have other things I need to do or not do right now. I can't actually be your teacher right now. Mm-hmm. What about this idea of Jing? Now, I'm interested in this because um, they introduced this whole new concept, which we also got with Boomy. Last time we had Boomy is when we got the job description for the Avatar, which yes. we didn't have before. And now we're getting this whole other layer of understanding the power. Yep. And um, that's really interesting because I, I'm curious to see where this goes. Now, this can go one of two directions. This can pay off in big ways and can be really a central thing. Or maybe it's this thing that we don't really touch again. Uh, if it's the latter, then I'm kind of disappointed. Like, what was this about? But if this, it seems like this is going to be a, a, a huge idea now. So we need to think about what does it mean to act or to not act, to do nothing. Right. What what does it mean to retreat versus attack? You know, because he talked about negative Jing when you retreat. And think about the advice that... Um, Aang gave to the resistance, right? He said, uh, leave. leave and to yeah. fight another day, right? So he was he knows something about negative Jing, but right. doesn't necessarily know about neutral. So this really and neutral is the key to earthbending. So maybe we're gonna learn a little bit more about what earthbending is and maybe what bending is in general. Yeah. Cause it also seems to be fire bending seems to be an attacking kind of bending. Earth, or airbenders seem to be a retreating Retreat. kind. Of, yeah, yeah. So, so, avoid. Yeah, so there is this negative positive there. Earthbending is this neutral. Um, and then, But it makes me wonder about water then, too. You know what it makes me want to do? I want to go back to the first Boomy episode and see how he fights Aang and to see maybe if he employs some, like, neutral kind of... I don't know, because he, he, he was pretty offensive. Like, he was on the offense. But notice what he keeps doing. He keeps trying to provoke Aang to action. Yeah, so true. It's, it's So it's almost like, so you could argue he's attacking, but it's sort of like abiding his time action. He's waiting for Aang to act, uh-huh. you know? So 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 I don't know. I mean. You know who seems like a, a master of neutral Jing? Hmm. Iroh. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Like all of those, all of those folks, uh, all the masters seem like that's, that's exactly. why they are. Right. right? Because they're, they, they don't seem like. They fly off the handle. They they seem like they're sort of accepting of things as they come. Yeah, interesting. I feel like it'll it'll come back, right? I it don't has know. To. This is it's way too big, and they spend way too much. I mean, I wrote, I read a quarter of a page speech about it. Like it'll come back, but I'm interested to see how it manifests itself. Yes, I... both as an idea and maybe even visually how we learn. If we learn more about this, is this the kind of thing we're going to see and notice? And is it going to become a key to how we understand how people act? Right. And you know that I know some of those big ideas of what happens next, mm-hmm. but things like this, nope, no okay. idea. I'm in the dark as you are. Well, let's get to the let's get to the end of the episode because we still have uh, two scenes really quick here. So we cut to Azula, May, and Tylee, uh, and they're sort of walking through the through Amashu, and May says, "Oh, so we're tracking down your brother and uncle, huh?" And Tylee says, it will be interesting to see Zuko again, won't it, May? Which is sort of loaded. So there yes. is some sort of previous relationship here of some kind. Uh, whether it's mutual or not, we don't know. But there is something there. And Azula says, it's not just Zuko and Iroh anymore. 
we have a third target now, which presumably is Aang, right? right. So now, because this, this really is Azula's first encounter with the Avatar. Yeah, and I guess we, uh, without Zhao, there's got to be someone else trying to get the Avatar and get him to Ozai right. before and that, Zuko. And that makes perfect sense because this is this is to make everything work the way it's supposed to, the Avatar needs to be dealt with. So then the final scene is at the governor's mansion at night. And I first time I watched this, I forgot about this scene. So I got to the uh, to the scene of the three young women talking and I thought to myself, what happened to Tom Tom? <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened to him? So we see it's the governor's mansion at night. We see Aang sneak in. And secretly return Tom Tom to his parents. So I like that because that was sort of like I, we need to resolve this because there is a, like an endangered toddler yeah. here that we need to deal with. Yep. <laughs> so and that is that is the end of our episode. So as you think about this uh, themes, observations, what do we? What are things we take from this? So we talked about the Jing and that stuff. Yes. But what else? Boomy's super powerful. Yeah. He could earthbend with his face, and also I feel like a lot of the times we see earthbenders, they don't have shoes on. And they're like feeling the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're they're like touching the mm-hmm. earth. He didn't have to. He was in a casket. So like, I f- I even wonder if something like metal doesn't stop him ever, right? Potentially, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, I was amazed. <laughs> and uh, we also know that he's got he's powerful and he's got a plan. Yeah. So like, what I like about this is this is not just about Aang's destiny and Aang's master plan but there are people like Boomy who's like I am exactly where I want to be right now and and it, almost to the extent the joy he seems to have mm. you know as he's brought down on the crane and then brought back up and is laughing it's almost like he's saying you fools mm-hmm. to the fire nation like you are playing right into my plan you know but but we don't know what that plan is but I, you have this sense that there's going to be this moment where the fact that boomy is there is going to be their destruction mm-hmm. that what they should have done is gotten rid of him whether that's killing him or getting him exiling him but but keeping him in amashu is the last thing that they should do we uh we also have a new trio yeah and uh, so we got the trio Sokka, Katara, Aang. Now we have like their counterparts, kind of. Yeah, we have the Mean Girls. So I I, 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 I love it. I, 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 I actually, know. I actually really like them as villains too. Yeah, they're very um, cartoony. Like, uh, like um, May is just so extreme. Yeah, they're they're like archetypes. Yeah, you know, they're they're but but I love that they're high school archetypes. Yeah. So it makes <laughs> it makes me want to think about. Are there other high school archetypes in this? Like, is there, are there jocks and nerds? Are there, you know, because these are children of the 80s, too, who who made this, yeah. right? <laughs> so, like, like it makes me think about, we've been watching, my family have been watching Saved by the Bell, like the old Saved by the Bell episodes. Oh, wonderful. And it is it is funny. We were talking last night about how much they lean into, like, the stereotypical, like, uh, archetypes of high school students. So I'm actually really curious to look at this. Yeah. I mean, think about even, I mean, he's not in this, but like Jet is like the archetypal, like, like the rebel, bad boy. rebel bad boy. It's like, <laughs> oh, this is like a high school show. It's like, it's what it is. I kind of want all of the youth to just be together yeah. to see how they, like where they would sit in the cafeteria. Yeah, yeah. And no. Boomy's like the like kind of crazy science teacher <laughs> who's like cool with the, with the, at least some of the kids, you know, like, like you start to think about those, you know, Ozai's like the principal, yeah. you know, and who's Iroh? 
Huh. Iroh's like the cool art teacher, right? I was going to say the nice dad, like the cool dad. Yeah. Like you can go over to his place. Oh, Iroh's and... totally cool dad. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Oh, wow. I didn't I didn't know we were going to do this, but, but honestly, I think that's what this is. This is, wow. So we should write a paper on this. This would be we good. We should write, yeah, fanfic. <laughs> no one would want I'm that. I'm thinking academically, you know, I oh. think it'd be really interesting to think about. But yeah, uh, other things we know, we know Aang still needs a teacher. So that's the, that's the mission we're going to go on, which is a little bit of running back last season. But um, there's more questions this time. There's more questions. And we're in a world we've been to before. So this will be yes. interesting. So I'm interested to see when is the next time we encounter people we've met before. Right. Are we going to see people like Haru yeah. again? Are we going to see – when do we get the bossing say? You know, that's going to be an interesting question too. Um, I loved the conversation about Tom Tom being a future killer and thinking about how do we deal with the Fire Nation more broadly. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's really what the what the question is, right? Like those the the resistance was willing to look at non combatants in this war as Fire Nation people in general. This goes back to Jet. You talked about this as a Jet parallel. This is absolutely Jet parallel. Jet was willing to just wipe out the city. Yep. And with Earth Kingdom people in it, right? And with Earth Kingdom and Fire Nation civilians, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and we see Aang right returning Tom Tom to the family, and yeah, like so. I think this is this is really interesting because he is at the end of this whole thing. He is the Avatar, not just for the Air Nomads, not just for the Water Tribe, not mm. just for the Earth Kingdom, but he is the Avatar for the Fire Nation as well. Yeah, true. Well, uh-huh. I really after this conversation, I feel like this episode has just like the first Amashu episode has risen in my estimation as we've talked about it mm. and thought about some of the things that they're doing here because um, because this is not uh this is this is on that list of like the 15 lowest rated um this one's on there why uh, are people hating on Amashu so much i don't know i don't know but i like this one um we have a guest So we should get to that guest. Um, This is a a very special guest uh, because this is somebody who is a fan of the show. But when I say fan of the show, I don't mean fan of Avatar The Last Airbender. I literally mean fan of Avatar with academics. For the first time ever. (laughs) They said it would never happen. Our guest today uh, is somebody who is very near and dear to my heart, you know, in part because he is the oldest person we've interviewed uh, on the podcast so far. I think he's uh, he's pulling down 45 years, if I'm not mm-hmm. incorrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, Meredith Matthew Muscle. Um, he lives in Winona, Minnesota, works at mm-hmm. St. Mary's. Um, mm-hmm. And his other claim to fame is that he is my older brother. Yes, I am. So Matt, we always uh, we always start the show, uh, you know, by me introducing myself and saying I've never seen Avatar: The Last Airbender. You're on as a fan of the show, but you're also the first guest we've ever had who's not a fan of Avatar: The Last Airbender because you've never seen it. I've never have- seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, but you have listened to every episode of Avatar with academics. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay, uh, we're going to dig into this psychology a little bit. Uh, Annie, I'm going to recuse myself from this interview uh, because I'm too close to the witness. Um, yep, yep. But, so I'm going to hand the ball over to you here and, uh, and you can fire away. Uh, first of all, Matt, mm-hmm. amazing. Just amazing yeah. that you have I feel lucky. got on this journey with us. Uh-huh. 
uh, truly in the way that Sam has, except for you have even less context. So right. I have some questions. Um, so, so I, I'm glad that you haven't seen anything before because then it, <laughs> it puts, it does put some pressure on me to paint a very vivid picture of everything yes. now for you right. <laughs> moving forward. So our episodes are going to go from like an hour and a half to probably like three hours. Sorry, everyone. But I'm curious how many, have you ever seen like the avatar art <laughs> or visuals at all? I have seen one picture, three people. Um, Aang is obvious because he's got the thing on his head. There's a woman and a boy. I assume that the woman is Katara. I'm not sure who the boy is, right? Like that's as far as I like, I've seen that. You're trying to understand, like I've, I've looked online like once or twice for some information. And so that's a visual I've seen. You know what I want to do for the rest of this is just hold up different pictures from the show and have you guess who they are. I think no. that would be excellent. So you're learning as you go, kind of like Sam is learning as it's you go. It's a good go. story, yes. Why do you keep coming back <laughs> if, you have, if you're not watching it? Like what makes you interested in the show? So have you heard of a podcast called Tweet Victory? Oh my, yeah. Okay, so I got started on Tweet Victory, and there's a certain dynamic that the two of you have on Tweet Victory, which is hilarious. Like, you're just super funny people to listen to. Um, and, you know, that works because there's a clock, right? So, like, you're just you're performing to the clock, and then we're done, and it's a Friday thing, or sometimes Thursday, and then we move on our way. But then I'm like, oh, well, what if we just continued this? Like, what if there wasn't a clock? Um, and so I, like, I started listening to it cause I enjoyed listening to the two of you talk and there's, you know, my, I've heard my brother who's an expert at podcasts talk a lot about how one of the things we listen for as human beings in podcasts is we listen for friendly conversation, like the familiarity, the community that comes from that. Um, and so I've been a long time listener to, um, you know, this podcast station, um, and the very, the, the, you know, long time programs. And so you develop a certain affinity for certain personalities. Um, and so that was the thing that got me to say, like, I don't know what avatar is and I don't know what this thing is. And then you're both like, what's interesting is I feel like I have a sense of the story. I, I want to know what happens next. When, when December came this year and you guys were like, not sure if you were going to continue into the second season right away. I was like, really like, no, now I, like, I want to know it. And I know I could go and watch the thing. I don't want to watch the thing. I want to listen to you guys talk about the thing. Um, and I was worried that like, you were going to stop providing me this content that I looked for every weekend. Oh, that's very flattering. Sam, did you pay him? <laughs> no, uh, but he should be paying us if you want this content. It's no longer free for you, Matt. Yeah, right. Can we just have a Matt subscription? <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> Okay, so um, amazing. I am very flattered uh, 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 that anyone would listen to my voice. So what's your favorite episode of, of Avatar so far? I know like it's hard to think of the names probably off the top of your head, but is there like a moment that you really liked? I think the moment that I realized that I was listening to something that was more than episodic, you know, like because th th that had some more value than the kind of week itself was probably the fortune teller. Um, and I think that, the, and I don't know if it was just kind of where it was in the progress of the story, but it became a moment where I had to sit and like, think about, do I like these characters? Am I on this journey with them? And what do I want for them? Right. Cause I think it was a, I think the fortune teller is a, is an episode that makes you ask a question of like, you know, the, the future of these characters so often kind of in an epic way feels preordained you know that there's this final battle and you know, and you hope that they will be triumphant. But 
that in the for- in the episode of the fortune teller, it went to this more personal space of the characters and you had to figure out it wasn't just about what the end battle was going to be, but it was about caring about each of their resolutions and where, how they were going to grow, what they were going to learn on the journey. Um, so that's probably the point in which I became committed to be like, I, I want to know where this goes for each of them. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's an episode that could easily be glossed over. Like I think even Sam, when we had talked about it, you were kind of like, Oh, is this going to become a love story where I was sold? Cause it's like, that hadn't been something that they introduced yet. So it felt like it was earned a little bit um, because it's been like, at that point, I don't remember how many episodes, maybe 10 or so. Um, and, and they hadn't talked about love yet, but it like makes sense for a 13 and 14 year old to have some of those like yearnings and desires. It felt yeah. much more real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so what is your favorite character? Who do you most, or, or who do you most identify with? And then who do you think is most similar to your brother? Oh, um, <laughs> okay. There is the favorite character in terms of the way you um, say their name. There's a character I just love the way you say their name, which oh. is Grand Grand. Can you say that for me? Grand Grand. Yeah, it's just so sweet. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I love the way you say that name. Um, and it's not a character that's there often, but it's a character that whenever you bring that character up, there's just such a warm affection for like how, you know, the, yeah, anyway. So, but my favorite character, there's the character I like the most and the, there's the character that interests me the most. Yes, right? you both. The character I like the most is Katara, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, just like, for me, the driving engine of the story, the person I want to understand the most, the person I'm rooting for the most. Um, the person who's the most mystery to me, the one I, the person I'd actually, like, I don't, I'm not a person who wants to spend a lot of time with my heroes, right? Like, let heroes be heroes and like Katara's on that hero's journey. It's Iroh. Like, I would like to spend time with Iroh. Like, I really want to know what's going on there. This is a guy I want to get into. And I found myself, like, the more we've now moved into this new season, even more interested because Iroh was like a point of stability in kind of like the boat and music night and that, like, and now it's a little scarier because that doesn't, that story doesn't feel attached to anything anymore. And um, okay. But then who is my brother? <sighs> you know, I want to say, <laughs> this is tough. Um, there, there's, there's a couple of candidates, right? So like Saka is certainly a candidate because Saka is a brother. Right. But I, I don't actually think my brother is very much like, like my brother might've once been like Saka, but like is not Saka anymore. Um, you know, there is the, um, I don't think my brother would identify with Zuko. Um, but I think that there is a way in which like Zuko is, um, a brother with a master plan that like, you know, like that there's a way in which my, my, my brother's strategic mind reminds me, um, of Zuko. Um, but then there's another way in which, you know, my brother as teacher, you know, is much more of, you know, I, I don't know this character well because we haven't met him a lot, but like Boomy, who like ha- spends an episode like as a teacher, but like as a teacher, that's not exactly going to let you know that he's the teacher until you've learned the thing. And so um, my brother certainly has some Boomy energy in him. Um, and <laughs> then a, that's the best yeah. compliment. That is I'll the- take it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, who do you think Matt's most like? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I wasn't planning on having to answer questions. Uh, 
that's interesting. It's uh, he has actually, all I want to think of is villains. Like I was thinking, like maybe Admiral Zhao. Like <laughs> oh. I can be Admiral Zhao. Uh, just in, in terms of like in terms Watch of it a, all burn. Yeah, a kind of a kind of ambition. You know, <laughs> Zhao's ambitious. He's a climber. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, Matt's not evil and destructive in that way, but. But I mean, but nobody's going to be a one-to-one match, and and who else right. are you going are you going to find somebody to say that this person that I love a great deal is Admiral Zhao? So yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Ouch, Zhao, huh? Interesting. Um, okay, then Matt, which nation? We've been asking this to mm. some interviewees, as you probably have heard. Which nation do you think that you would most want to join or be born into? Water. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? Um. There's a level of independence. There's a level of compassion. You know, I think Katara is that kind of inspirational person to be like, that's the journey. I like, I want to be following that person. I want to be part of that world. Um, the beautiful end of season one. I mean, it's also the, it's also the element we probably seen the most of where I can have the strongest identification with it. Um, but the, you know, the end of season one was so sad, but also it's so beautiful, right? Coming into this Northern community of water and just how beautiful it was and how, you know, it had what it needed um, to save itself, right? Like in its, in its spirit and its mythology and its place there and in the princess, right? Like that was a, a beautiful people, a beautiful place. So mm-hmm. I, I would say two things about why water is a good choice for Matt. And I, I hate to say this, but it's going to be a compliment. Um, I would never say this to his face if, you know, but since we're on a zoom call um, for one thing, Matt is a, Matt is somebody who's born and raised in Minnesota and is like really a Minnesotan. So like the cold weather of the water tribe, mm-hmm. but also uh, in all honesty, Matt's somebody who uh, has spent his life caring about, about marginalized people and marginalized communities. And, and in fact, if you're looking at this world, I mean, the, the airbenders are, almost don't exist. So they, they kind of don't count, but the most marginalized group is the water tribe. You know, they're, they're the ones that get the, uh, the strongest insults about being uncivilized about, especially the Southern water tribe, you know? Mm. So I think, I think, uh, you know, sort of identifying with that is, I think I, I really do associate uh, with Matt. So can I ask, can I ask you a question, Matt? Um, and this is, sure. this is getting a little bit further afield of avatar, but it's really thinking in that direction. Do you remember anything as a kid that avatar reminds you of things that you watched, you liked um, that, that this reminds you of. And do you remember anything that was sort of serialized that you liked? Um, what's the, the, um, the lost city of. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to let Matt keep talking. I'm going to share my screen. I am not going to add, pull something. I'm not going to pull something up. I already have it pulled up. Keep talking, Matt. Right. The, but the lost city of gold, the, like it's, it's a kind of a Peruvian sort of story with these, archetypical young characters and don't remember. I mean, there's a a strong female character in it. Um, I remember watching it, but I I haven't been back to see. Yes. Yes. This is them. Yes. Okay. Annie, Um, what does it say on the the Google search here? Cities of gold cartoon. Yes. See, I knew you were going to mention this. Yes, that's right. That's exactly what I thought of. Now here's the thing. I don't know that cities of gold This is from the eighties. It's actually, it's from Japan. I did, which I didn't know. Uh, but it aired on Nickelodeon, and I don't know that this is any good because we watched this as a really little kid. But that's exactly yeah. what I thought of to it. There's, yeah. it's the, it was the first serialized kind of adventure show. Like it's, it has some comedy to it. I don't even remember the arc of the show at all. But, 
So you played right into my hand there, Matt. I, I wanted to there we go. If, I could, if I could get into your head. Is it, is it like an anime or? Uh, yeah, like an early 80s version, I guess. I, I, again, I haven't seen it probably since 1985, so I don't really know. But that's my memory, yeah. But what I would say about Avatar is it does have kind of an epicness that I wanted entertainment to have. Like, you know, I think it would have been critique I would have had of a lot of the childhood entertainment is I wanted stories that were serialized and I wanted to follow people. And, um, you know, so. Um, and you're, you're a sucker for a good soap opera in this. Uh-huh. Has, I am a sucker a, for a good soap opera. It has a little, little pieces of that. Yeah. And a political drama. And yep. I love that, like, you know, I, you've got to get your, um, your election um, shock therapy people in on the politics of Avatar at some point. because yes. It's happening. <laughs> okay, good. Because this is like a really complicated political world. Yeah, is it we truly just, happening? We just send up the Chris Moore bat signal whenever we want that episode. Because <laughs> you guys have done that before with uh, yeah. with like yeah. Hunger Games, with Harry, Harry Potter? Potter, Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, this needs to be in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. We I think the first time you and I, Sam, talked about this on Tweet Victory, mm-hmm. I mentioned like I want to raise my kids watching this instead of like I mean. I like Harry Potter and it's good to read. Okay. So like I'll probably, if I have kids, hypothetically, they will probably read Harry Potter, but to raise them on something like this feels like there's a lot more depth in it, even than some of those other like epic child or young adult stories. And it is one of the great things about listening to this podcast is listening to how you will get into conversations about Joseph Campbell or get into conversations about, you know, um, different kinds of art and culture that, you know, this show really shows no, it, they're taking from a lot, right? Like in assembling something new. And so I, I enjoy that um, with both of you and how you use your academic minds um, to watch Avatar. Yes. It's more Sam's academic mind. And <laughs> I no, don't know no, 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 no. It's very much yours too. Very much yours. Oh, I just want you on the show every week. <laughs> You just do a podcast where he compliments us. Yes, I'll say Grand Grand as much as you want. (laughs) So sweet. Do we have Uh, any other questions, Sam? Anything else? uh, I'm just, uh, well, let's close on this because I'm actually curious. You mean, I know that you're enjoying the ride listening to this. Is this something, let's say you were up at the cabin for for a week and the weather was terrible, so you had to sit inside. Would you ever fire this up and binge this? Like when it's all, when the podcast is all done, was it something you'd ever want to see, or do you think that would take away from, in the same way, like watching a movie of a book that you've read is like, oh, but I pictured it this way, and then I'm actually seeing this other thing. I don't have a strong desire to watch it. Um, and no, it might. It depends on kind of where it goes. Um, I'm in, but I, I feel also very fulfilled by listening to the podcast. Like I get the stories, I get what's going on. I get the movement. Um, I mean, I think there are things I miss, right? You know, I think that I wonder about characters or, or things that I, that I'm just not seeing um, that would be obvious um, to someone watching, you know, I, I'm not that interested in Aang. And, and I, and I wonder sometimes he to me is a little bit like Appa, right? Like, like a creature that is serving a purpose, but not all that engaging of a character to me. So, I, so, so, I, you know, although like the journey with you is great, I'm not called to the source material to think that I might even think this journey is great and not love the source material. 
Yeah, I would say part of with Aang is I actually think his character is a lot more nonverbal. Mm. You know, I, uh, it's a when when we write notes, I find myself writing a lot less of what Aang says and a lot yeah. more of what other people say. But he, I mean, he actually, I think it's if a, if an animated character can have good nonverbal acting, that right. that character does. Yeah. Well, and the character I'd most like to see is Sokka because I think that Sokka is a character I don't understand. Because, you know, like with with characters, you see them in their interaction with each other. And I don't know the extent to which Sokka is a pest, to the extent to which Sokka is a comedian, the extent to which Sokka is like someone that the other people really want to be around or not. Um, you know, is he it's multitudes. Right. But it's sort of I think I might know more about that if I right. saw him. Yeah. Right. Like that, that is one character that I that I think I would have a different opinion on if I saw him. But that's I would really- say I would say as you're describing it, that's the truth is like he he's the most sort of shifting sand character. We always pointed out when Katara's acting not like herself. Right. Sokka, we don't have to do that because he'll have episodes where we get sort of scientific Sokka and then we get right. warrior Sokka. And then and they so he's got like different versions of himself where I feel like Katara has a lot less of that. She 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 actually seems although she's younger, she seems more like fully realized and mature from when from the jump where Sokka, I feel like is becoming more in certain ways. Like it, it's less clear which direction he's on, I guess. That's super interesting about your thoughts on Aang too, because I know Sam, what, am I right that your favorite Harry Potter character is Lupin? Yes. That's my, that's my entry point character. Yeah. Okay. He's my favorite character too. I wonder if we had two different people and this is solely just based on, my understanding of you and Harry Potter. But if we had two different people who watched this and narrated it, if they wouldn't look as much at the periphery characters, like maybe the story would be more centered on Aang. Maybe that's where the action would take place more in our podcast. This is getting meta, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's because I've always gravitated towards the minor characters and like the ones that are creating humor that the others like respond to. I wonder, don't you think? It's it's interesting to me. I am, really interested in the connection between um, Aang and Momo because they're, they're like, and again, like that's one of those things that I can't see, but I'm like, Momo seems to be every bit as interesting as Aang, um, as developed as Aang, which is sort of like, and I think that sometimes Annie is that you give a life to Momo in terms of like an appreciation and a curiosity and a desire, you know, to know about what what's up with Momo that is more interesting than what's up with Aang. Mm. Hmm. I'll keep talking about Momo. I could talk about Please it. <laughs> well, Matt, we know that you're a, we're, you're a busy guy, so we won't, uh, we won't keep you on the line any longer. I will say if you ever find yourself short of time mm-hmm. and you're like, man, I don't know if I have time to burn through the, the entire hour and a half long episode, you could always just watch Avatar because it's 22 <laughs> minutes. The episodes are way shorter than what we do. So like if, you, if you're ever in a hurry, you could actually just watch this. <laughs> It would not be as good. I am confident that it would not be as good. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, that was really fun talking to Matt. Um, Annie, we are out of time. This has been a a, a long episode. I think before we started recording, I said, I think this might be a short one. I don't know that there's a lot to talk about, but there definitely was a lot to talk about. This always happens to us. Yes, yes. Also, can we please have Matt on again? I just, or I just want to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. We had a great time. He was so complimentary of me. (laughs) 
So I loved it. <laughs> so yeah, well, he's one of your biggest fans. So, um, so we are just going to be dropping one episode a week. Um, next week, we won't have an episode that tracks along with Avatar The Last Airbender, but we do have an episode. We're not going to tell you what it is. We do have an episode coming on Christmas Day. It is a happy holidays. It is a maybe not so happy holidays gift to you. Yes. It might be coal in everyone's stocking, (laughs) um, but you can enjoy it along with us. So that's going to be dropping on Christmas. Our our next episode, um, which will be about episode uh, book two, uh, Earth chapter four, The Swamp, will come out on um in january right this yeah. this will be our first our the first episode on the podcast network for the year 2021 so until then if you want to catch up on episodes if you're enjoying this ride you want to go back and listen to um uh, the King of Amashu, just to get the full boomy cycle you can find that on uh, avatar with academics Dot wordpress.com you can find all of our episodes you can leave comments you can email us at channel 3900 at gmail.com please get in touch with us if you'd like to be a guest on the show you just saw how easy it was how how much we love to talk with anyone about this uh, about this show please email us and we will be back in two weeks with episode 24 the swamp